Hello, welcome back to What's Killing My Kale. This is season three and the final episode of our mini series about how climate change is impacting fruit and vegetable growers. This podcast is co-hosted by Natalie Hoydel and Annie Claude, two University of Minnesota extension educators working with fruit and vegetable production. In this episode, we talk with Erin Wells from Little Hill Berry Farm. So in the last couple episodes, we heard from vegetable farmers. So in this episode, you'll get the chance to hear from a fruit grower about how he's adapting with perennial berries. And something I want to point out um, before we start Aaron's interview is that Aaron and then Aaron and Ben from the last episode are neighbors and they have really different systems. Aaron and Ben are vegetable farmers. They grow a lot of root vegetables, so they're doing things like digging carrots in the fall. Whereas Aaron from Little Hill Berry Farm is a fruit grower. And I think it's really interesting to compare their different experiences and it really highlights that just the way that we interact with our landscapes, I think, really affects our perception of climate change and how it's affecting our daily lives. And so it's maybe just something to reflect on as you listen to these, um, to think about how you interact with the landscape and how maybe different amounts of water or heat spikes, things like that might affect you differently based on what you're growing um, and how you're using the land. All right, so can you describe your farm and... You know, sure. Just briefly, what you grow, how long you've been around, things like that. Yep. Uh, so our farm is Little Hill Berry Farm. We're located a couple miles north of Northfield. Um, we primarily grow organic fruit. Um, we have four and a half acres of organic blueberries and about an acre of day-neutral strawberries. We planted our first blueberry plants in 2011. And so we've been selling blueberries for about six years and um, fed strawberries for the last uh, three years. Uh, we also grow about an acre of pumpkins as well as some other sort of less well-known fruit like um, currants, elderberries, aronia. And we mostly sell our, our fruit at our farm. So we do pick your own blueberries um, as well as picking some of our own and selling them at the farm. And have you noticed any changes in the weather in the last few years? Extreme weather patterns, um, heat. Yeah, I think that the the things that I notice are the longer falls. So we seem to have sort of a longer kind of fall growing season. Um, definitely like a wetter pattern. We seem to be getting a lot of rain. And although this isn't necessarily true in 2019, I mean, just the hot summers, just like the hot temperatures generally, seems like we've been having a lot of them the last few years. Okay. And do you yeah. feel like that's been different than in the past? I know your farm's been around for six years or yeah. so, so it might be kind of hard to say. But Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's hard to kind of have that perspective entirely, but you know, just in like talking to other people who have been growing fruit, longer um i think i've heard a lot about just like the heat in the summer and it, i think it comes up in blueberries and strawberries because they both generally don't like a lot of heat so they don't grow as well when it's really hot in the summer and even strawberries in particular day neutral strawberries will stop flowering so they'll stop producing fruit um and then with blueberries in the fall you know fall um going dormant so they're sort of going dormant later in general than they have in the past from what people have told me and on one hand 
it's nice to have a longer growing season. Um, but the danger is that if they don't go dormant soon enough, you can get winter damage because they just stay kind of active too long in the fall and don't have time to harden off. And then we do get the cold weather, which we're always going to get in the winter. You know, we can have winter damage. And is there a way for you to manage that? Or is it just something that you have to kind of deal with? Uh, I don't really think there is. Yeah, I don't. There's nothing. There's not a lot of varietal selection you could do for that. Um, so I'm not really aware of anything we can, we can do. I think it just makes them a little more susceptible to winter damage. Okay. As far as um, the heavy rains that we've been seeing the last few years, um, how do you feel like that's been impacting your production or your business management? Sure. Um, I mean, uh, in strawberries, I think it's probably where it's sort of particularly challenging just with getting leaf disease and um, soft berries. You know, if you get a lot of rain, the berries just get mushy. Um, so we are actually putting all of our strawberries in tunnels now, so we're not gonna grow it in the field. And that is, I mean, one big factor is just all the rain. We just have so much lost marketable fruit that it's frankly worth it to spend the money on the tunnels to grow them, you know, undercover. Okay. How has it impacted the blueberries? Do you notice any difference? Um, I mean, to be honest, Blueberries don't mind. So, I mean, it's like, I think there are a lot of negatives of climate change. I'm not saying it's a positive thing, but with the, you know, more water for blueberries, it's just sort of better and just less we have to irrigate. Um, so it is one thing that we haven't really had to, hasn't caused any major problems for the blueberries. No disease issues? Uh, not really. Blueberries just aren't very susceptible to most leaf. Um, diseases. I mean, their main challenge is spotwing drosophila. Okay. Yeah. And did you notice any issues with spotwing drosophila um, in the rain, or maybe I'm not sure if they would be more happy yeah. about that or less happy about that? Yeah, I guess I don't really know. I haven't really been able to pinpoint anything um, with spotwing in the rain. Um, they, I mean, just seem to thrive in kind of any weather at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so it would be good to talk about the, the strawberries in the tunnel. Yeah. Um, when did you start doing that and how has that worked out for you so far? And do you feel like it kind of manages some of those weather challenges that you're having? Um, yeah, so we trialed it this past year, so 2019, where we had, you know, probably 80% of our strawberries outside, and then we had a couple small tunnels, and yeah, it was just like night and day, um, just keeping the plants dry, primarily keeping the berries dry, just makes such a huge difference, and you know, 2019 was a wet year. But if that seems to be the trend, um, I think there's just, I wouldn't say that you can't grow them outside with day neutral strawberries, but because it's such a long season from like July, August, September, October, um, it's just such a huge advantage to have them in the tunnels. Um, and we're actually gonna be 
planting raspberries this coming year in 2020 and so we're going to put them in a high tunnel too kind of for the same reason that if it's just wet all the time leaf disease and the berries getting soft um, it's just it's really worth it to protect them um, i would also say too just like with the more like increased thunderstorms i think especially with raspberries you can get a lot of berries that fall off the canes it gets really windy and so like the tunnel will protect them a little bit as well from that. Awesome. That was one of the questions I was going to ask. So we can go ahead and skip that one unless there's anything else you wanted to say about high tunnels. Because what I was going to ask was, um, what's your motivation for putting up a high tunnel? Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that that's that's mainly it. I mean, there is a little bit of the spot wing drosophila element too because we could do exclusion in a tunnel with netting, but I think just the higher marketable yield of the berries not getting wet, and if, you know, the projection is that's going to continue, and especially in fall, fall just seems to be really wet lately, like September, um, that would be our main raspberry season, and so anyway, we can sort of protect against that, I think is definitely worth it. Okay. So you talked, to, I asked earlier about disease pressure on the blueberries and you were saying even with all the rain, it's really not that bad, but what about the strawberries? Can you talk more about the leaf diseases and the berry rot that you're seeing? Sure. So um, we've had uh, anthracnose quite a bit, which I guess is not necessarily, I guess it's a leaf disease that kind of gets into the berries. Um, so that's something we have, we struggle with a ton with all the rain. Um, and there are, you know, some varieties that are more susceptible and some that are less. Um, and so the ones that are more susceptible, we just can't grow, I don't feel like. Um, but even the ones that are less susceptible outside still developed quite a bit of anthracnose the last few years. Um, and then, you know, just things like gray mold or... Um, leaf spot, sort of forgetting if there's a more um, specific name for that, but I mean just like it's kind of just constant. If they stay wet, um, at least as an organic grower, we were, there's really not much we can do about it. Now I, there might be some conventional sprays, I'm not really familiar, but I feel like as an organic grower, you know, protecting, putting them in a tunnel is like our strategy basically to not have to use I mean, some other chemical remedy that we wouldn't, we don't have. And do you have much disease pressure in the tunnel at all? Um, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think just because the leaves aren't getting wet, you know, the leaf, you know, the water is usually what's spreading the disease, um, you know, from plant to plant. And so like the splashing, I mean, you might get a little bit on the edges, um, but it's just so minor that it, it really is like night and day. Do you feel like climate change effects or sporadic weather effects, were those considerations when you were deciding which varieties or which types of crops to grow? Um, I think it definitely, um, it, so when we started with blueberries, they were kind of like our first crop. And then thinking about what other crops to grow, it kind of took me a while. I was really hesitant to grow 
strawberries and raspberries because of the wet weather and some of the heat. So I think it gave me kind of pause as to whether there was really going to be a future growing them in Minnesota. Um, now we're, we are trying to grow them and the strawberries I think are working well and we'll see about the raspberries. But I think it definitely gave me a few more like things to think about and you know kind of developing a new strategy in terms of growing them in tunnels. Um, I think uh, you know another crop we're looking at is like cut flowers because it's sort of like another you pick crop and it's attractive because it seems like they probably you know flowers tend to not have as much disease problems and so it's sort of attractive because it's maybe a little more resilient um, to climate change um, where I think berries are more sort of susceptible or kind of more challenging. Um, so I think it's kind of like always in the back of my mind when I'm like thinking about a crop and kind of think like what's, you know, what are, what's going to be the weather in the next 10 years? I mean, obviously none of us know, but there are certain like trends and so how to like think about that before sort of getting into something that then all of a sudden is like, oh man, there's just so much disease, you know, there's, you know. Um, so it's, it's definitely like a consideration, I would say. Um, do you notice ways in which weather fluctuations during the summer impact your pick your own business? Um, I mean, I think every summer is different, you know, and so, uh, we're kind of always thinking about, you know, is it going to rain? How hot is it? How fast are things ripening? How often are we going to be open? Um, I guess I haven't noticed in my short, you know, kind of five or six years of pick your own, some like major like trend that's changing things. But like we're just always really key keyed in on the weather. I mean, so even like if it's forecasted, it's going to rain on the weekend. You know, we're going to try to be open on Thursday and Friday to get our berries picked because we know that I mean, we, we can't be open when it's raining or if there's thunder or something. We decided to have as many people. So I think in the picking season, it's always kind of like this dance of trying to predict what's going to happen and kind of stay ahead of berries, you know, so we're not having a whole bunch of overripe berries in the field and they're not getting picked. All right. Um, are there any other things that? Um, let me look here at my notes. Uh, no, I think that I think that kind of covered everything I had written down. Okay. Yeah. I guess one other question is um, when we're talking about protected culture, so high tunnels and whatever you call your smaller tunnel for the strawberries. I mean, caterpillar tunnel. Caterpillar tunnel. Do you feel like you're gonna be? moving more of your crop under some sort of protected culture in the future? Um, I mean, I think if we expand strawberries or we expand raspberries, that we would continue to do it, protected culture. Uh, I think because the blueberries don't have a lot of like leaf diseases, they seem to be okay outside. Um, and, you know, our field is just kind of already established you know it's it was already planted it was planted you know not super dense you know the rows are pretty wide and things and so like if i was gonna replant a blueberry planting um 
maybe we'd consider putting it in a protected culture, but we also just like lay it out differently than it's laid out now. Um, but I think, you know, thinking about like blackberries is another crop I'm interested in growing. I would definitely grow it in protected culture. Um, I just think a lot of the fruit, um, there's a lot of benefits to it. Um, you know, and beyond climate change, so like things like season extension. Um, so I think, um, you know, as we just like consider different crops to add, it's always like in the mix. Like, I think it's a really viable strategy, especially as an organic grower, um, to get away from maybe some of the chemicals that you maybe use in like outdoor production for like fungal disease or other diseases. Um, so yeah, I think it's, you know, it's going to be a big part of our farm as we go forward. Okay. And then one other question that came to mind is cover cropping. Do you use any sort of cover cropping between your strawberry rows or in your pumpkins? Um, so in our strawberries, the way our system will be set up is, um, we will do kind of on again, off again production. So if you take a let's say an acre field, we'll grow on half of it one year with caterpillar tunnels. And the, the value of caterpillar tunnels is that they're not engineered for snow load like a high tunnel would be. And so they need to be taken down, or at least the plastic removed in the fall, but they can also readily be moved. So essentially what we'll do is we'll move the hoops in the fall to the other field that was in cover crop. So like half of the field will be in strawberries, half will be in a cover crop. And then next year we'll flip, and we'll put the strawberries where the cover crop was, and we'll grow a cover crop in the strawberry field. Um, and so it'll just be sort of alternating production, I think. Uh, and pumpkins, pumpkins are still kind of a work in progress. I mean, last year was our first year. Um, I would imagine we would um, probably do some kind of cover crop between the rows. So we would have sort of like strips of um, bare ground or plastic mulch, and then a few feet of some kind of cover crop that we would mow off like in the fall. To, so people, so people could walk into the field to pick their pumpkins on like a, some kind of grass or something like that. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So with the, you were talking about rotating the strawberries with the cover crop, what sorts of benefits are you hoping to get from that? Um, well, I think just one basic benefit is just not growing the same thing in the same field year after year and, and sort of dealing with some kind of possible disease buildup. Um, but then the other benefit would just be like, you know, kind of essentially thinking about it as like rebuilding the soil. So like taking a year off of taking something out, you know, growing something that adds nitrogen to the soil as well as organic matter. And so we're kind of like trying to feed the soil, you know, one year, grow a crop on it the next year. Um, and I think also, you know, a little bit of just like weed suppression to, um, you know, we have, for instance, like Canada thistle is always a little bit of a challenge. 
And so, you know, using something like Sorghum Sudan and in like an off year to try to like choke it out as a way to kind of like sort of battle that long-term weed you know, we had when we started. And it's pretty tough to entirely get rid of an organic system. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I don't think I have anything else. Cool. I think that's it. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. So that concludes our mini series about climate change. Season three is still going. We're going to have plenty more episodes about things like nutrient management, um, pest issues, disease issues. So keep listening. Um, but that was our final climate change episode. So I hope you enjoyed them, hopefully learned some things and came away with some ideas for adaptation strategies that you can use on your farm or in your garden.